Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hope everybody's doing well today. I want to welcome everybody to the Unimpressed Podcast. And today we have Dr. Bradley Nelson. He is a chiropractor. He is a healer. And he has come out with a few books. He has a current book called The Body Code. He came out with a, a book prior to that called The Emotion Code. And uh, I think it's going to be an interesting conversation. So I want to welcome you to the Unimpressed Podcast. Well, thank you so much, John, for having me on. It's great to be here. Just tell me a little bit about, you know, your foundation, your journey. You know, how did you have this realization? Where did, where did this drive come from? It's really interesting. It goes back... Uh, my my story really began when I was seven years old. I was really sick with the measles, and uh, my mother asked my father if he would pray for me, and he did. And in the middle of this short prayer that he was offering, I was instantly healed um, within about the space of like half a second. To go from being really sick one moment to being totally healthy in the next moment is very strange. And I, you know, and it, it's it's something like that just sears into your into your memory. And so I remember that very, very well, very distinctly. And uh, it taught me that it taught me a couple of things at age seven. It taught me there's definitely a higher power that's unseen that we can draw upon and ask for help. And it also taught me that um, healing doesn't necessarily have to take a long time because I was really sick, but it happened instantaneously for me. Mm -hmm. And so um, so that was really interesting. So I kind of filed those things away. Uh, then at age 13, I ended up with kidney disease and there was nothing that could be done for me medically. And uh, it was very painful. Um, and my parents took me to see a couple of uh, old-time holistic doctors who started working on me, and uh, they pulled me right out of it. And I knew that what they were doing was exactly what my body needed. I could feel it in my body. I knew. And so at the end of uh, at the end of that time, uh, when I got better, which only took a few weeks, my folks took me back to the hospital and they ran the tests again. And they said, "Well, it's it's a spontaneous remission, etc." I knew that they hadn't done anything. These other people had helped me. So I decided I was going to be a doctor and uh, a natural doctor like these people were. Um, but then I got involved in computers and programming and business. And and uh, so it was really an answer to prayer that brought me back again to that uh, that dream of being a healer. And so I went into, um, I went to chiropractic school. I was kind of radically open to whatever I could find that might work. And because these people that had healed me, uh, I can remember lying on my back on their treatment table, looking up at them and saying, I want to do what you're doing when I grow up. They'd say, no, you don't. They'd say, if you go to chiropractic school or naturopathic school or some school of natural healing, you'll come out of it like a zombie. I said, they'll fill your head so full of fixed ideas, you won't even be able to think. And boy, that really stuck with me. So when I went to chiropractic school, I was kind of, I was kind of on guard. No matter what anybody said might be the best way to do this or that, I was always open to the possibility that maybe, maybe there is a better way. Maybe there's some other way. And um, that was actually, a I think a really good thing for me because it, it just, uh, it enabled me to be open. And uh, when I was in school, I can remember my instructors saying things like the brain's the most amazing computer in the known world. And I can remember sitting there thinking, gee, if the brain's a computer, will we ever have the technology to ask 
questions uh, and get information from the brain um, because it really should know everything that's going on with somebody. Wouldn't that be an amazing way to help our patients? Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what uh, my life's work is devoted to is, uh, is to teaching people that yes, there is an internal computer and yes, you can ask questions and yes, you can get answers. And um, it provides us in most cases, the shortest distance from point A to point B, point A being where you are now and point B being where you want to be free of your mental, emotional, physical problems, wherever they are. The way you're talking is a very engineered thought process, thinking about uh, the brain and it being the shortest distance to to an answer, right? right? When you're trying to heal the body. When you do these things, I mean, what what put you ahead of the curve? Really, it was prayer. What happened was it was an answer to prayer for me to go into the healing arts. And uh, when I got into practice, I thought, well, you know, God's gotten me into this, so maybe he'll help me. And so, so I developed this habit. Before I'd go to work on a patient, I would just take a moment and have a slight, just a momentary pause where I would ask for help from up above. And of course, we all think of God in different ways. If we think of God at all, we might think of source energy or the universe or creator, whatever. I don't think it makes too much difference. But for me, I was just asking God, you know, to please help me with this person that I was working on. I think that the vast majority of the time, John, when we ask for help like that, um, it comes in ways that we don't even recognize. It'll come in the form of a, maybe like a little subtle thought or an impression or maybe an idea that we have that we usually think is our own idea. But I'll tell you, there were times during those years when someone would come in to see me and I didn't know how to approach their problem. I didn't know what to do with them. And I would offer that silent prayer for help, which was just kind of a routine habit. And the information that I needed would sometimes just flood in like an avalanche of of data and understanding. It was an amazing thing. That didn't happen very often. I mean, over about 20 years of time, I can count those times on one hand. But that taught me that that higher power, whatever you want to call it, is aware of us and of what we're doing all the time. And if we ask for help, then it opens that channel for us to be able to receive that help. I mean, think about what Jesus said. He said, uh, ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be open to you. He didn't just say, you'll receive. He said, knock and you'll receive. Or ask and you'll receive. Knock and it'll be open. So I've learned that that principle is really true. And so for... For all those years that I was in practice, I was trying to figure out uh, what was really wrong with my patients. Because as a chiropractor, you know, I started off just realigning people's spines and I got phenomenal results that way, like all chiropractors I think do. And um, all kinds of things improved and got better. But then there were some things that wouldn't. And that that bothered me. And I wanted to know, well, what's going on with this person? Why doesn't this get better? Why why can't this woman conceive a child? Uh, you know, why does this person have digestive problems? What's going on? Why can't I fix these migraines? What is it? And so it was, it was over the course of many years working on many patients who had all kinds of problems and, uh, and asking for help all the time and learning everything that I could from every place that I could that I started putting the puzzle together. And, um, it was, it's interesting because it was complicated initially, but. As time went on, the puzzle became more and more simple. Because I was a computer programmer, I always had a computer there in my office. And um, it was there because I wanted, to, uh, I wanted to create, I was creating a database, uh, a knowledge base, really, a very extensive mind map of the imbalances that I was finding on my patients. And when I would find a new imbalance, I would figure out where to put it in this mind mapping system that I had created. And it was really interesting because the subconscious minds I found of, of my patients, I knew that I could ask questions and get answers from the subconscious mind of my patients. And that was something that gradually came to me over many years. But what I found was 
that um, their subconscious mind knew what was in my map. If, mm -hmm. Even if it was a brand new patient, even if that patient didn't speak English, somehow I could talk to that patient. Uh, I could talk to them silently or out loud, and I would get the answers from their subconscious mind through muscle testing their body or looking at their leg length changes uh, or, or testing my own self. I could get those answers from their subconscious mind. And so it, it was incredible. It worked so well that during the last 10 years that I was in practice, most of the people that I saw had been told there was really no help for them at all. Um, they'd been really cast off by Western medicine, um, told that nothing could ever be done to help them. They'd, they'd never get better. Mm -hmm. And yet the vast majority of those people did get better, but it's just because I was asking questions and, and getting those answers from their subconscious mind. And I found that the subconscious is all too willing to give up those answers. You just have to ask. It's really, it was a really interesting thing. So I finally realized that this information had to get out to the world. It wasn't just for me, it was for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so um, I left practice in 2004 and wrote this book, The Emotion Code, which came out in 2007 and uh, came out as a soft cover originally. And then this one came out in 2019 as a hard cover with a, with a nice forward by Tony Robbins. It's really nice endorsements from a lot of, uh, a lot of really smart people. And then this book just came out um, on the 21st of this month, February, the body code. And um, the body code includes the emotion code in it, kind of a brief explanation of it. And uh, the emotion code is all about how to find your emotional baggage and get rid of that emotional baggage. Because I found that, and I wrote this book first because I found that so many of my patients, well, really all of my patients, no matter what they were suffering from, whether it was something mental or emotional or physical, if they were dealing with depression or anxiety or phobias or panic attacks or PTSD or eating disorders or some kind of self-sabotage, or if they were dealing with physical pain, migraine headaches or back pain or knee pain or neck pain or whatever, or if it was something more complex, like some kind of dysfunction like infertility or asthma or digestive problems, or they had been diagnosed with some kind of a named disease, what I found was all of them had emotional baggage in common. In other words, as we live through our lives, we go through things we'd rather not go through and we experience intense emotions sometimes. And sometimes those emotions are powerful enough that they get stuck in the body. And that's what I found with my patients, that if, if I could identify that emotional baggage and release it, um, all kinds of things would improve because that seemed to be a big thing that was in the way. The body code is a little different because during all all those years I was in practice, I, I figured out that everything could be put into six categories. In other words, all the imbalances that my patients were suffering from could be placed into one of these categories. Okay. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
We keep a lot of emotions bundled up inside in life, and sometimes we got to talk to people. I witnessed the benefits with my own two eyes. I have a close friend that was struggling with depression and felt like she had no one she could consistently talk to because of her busy schedule. She was matched with a therapist through BetterHelp. After several months of sessions, I've seen a tremendous change in her personality and in her life. If you're needing therapy and, and want to get some of those things off your chest, it's entirely online and designed to conveniently work around your schedule and empower you to be the best version of yourself. Just fill out a questionnaire and they will align you with the right therapist. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com unimpressed today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash unimpressed. And so they could all fit in there somewhere. And those categories are, there's six of them. And so they are things like energies, for example. Um, mm -hmm. Energies are things like trapped emotions or physical, emotional traumas, things like that. Another category is uh, pathogens. And of course, we know all about pathogens, viruses, bacteria, fungal infections, and so on. You got to get rid of those to be totally healthy. Another category is we call circuits and systems. And uh, uh, that category has to do with the connection between the spirit and the physical body, uh, the acupuncture, meridians, and so on, uh, the chakras, and so on. Another category is misalignment because anything can become misaligned. Those misalignments are usually due to other things like trapped emotions. Another category is toxins are not going to be totally healthy if you're toxic. And then the last one is nutrition and lifestyle. And this one has to do with having the right minerals and vitamins and things and getting enough sleep and having the right herbs and getting the essential oils that you need, whatever it is. So anyway, what I found was um, the subconscious mind of the individual knew exactly what they needed. And I would ask questions and get answers. And I could use this map uh, that we call the body code to very rapidly figure out what they needed and help them to get well. What sticks out to me is balance. So when you think about your centerpiece of balance, it's funny that you picked that out because I think, I think Western medicine heals from the top down instead of from the foundation up, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's right. And it seems I, like your system yeah. is healing from the foundation up, which is a is a game changer because everything else is just a band aid. Well, right. I mean, if you think about it, if you've been to a doctor in the last year or so, um, chances are they gave you some kind of a prescription for some kind of medication that would um, suppress whatever symptoms you were having. Typically, most of the time, that's how it is in Western medicine. Most of the time, uh, the drugs that are given are, are given to suppress some kind of a symptom. But the way I look at it, and I've really come to believe and know that, that this is really true about our bodies, John, after doing this for so many years, any kind of a symptom that we have as a human being, whether it's physical pain or some kind of mental or emotional issue uh, or some kind of a some some set of symptoms that is maybe classified as a disease, uh, you can look at that, no matter what it is, as being like a check engine light uh, on, on your car's dashboard. You know, if, if you're in pain, for example, from something, well, usually the pain is not really the problem. Usually the pain is just an indicator or the depression or anxiety or whatever it might be or whatever other kind of physical symptom you might be manifesting. For example, years ago, a woman came in to see me. She had hurt her back lifting one of her kids or one of her, her babies that I think was maybe getting a little big. And uh, so she comes in to see me and uh, she told me as I was talking with her that she, she'd been suffering uh, from 
a migraine that had not given her any break at all uh, for two weeks. And uh, she was taking some really heavy duty medications for it. And she told me that she had migraines constantly. She'd sometimes get a break for a day or so, um, but she'd had them for about 19 years. And uh, so as I examined her, I found that she had a bone out of alignment at the base of her skull. And with her permission, I gave her an adjustment, a chiropractic adjustment, realigned the bone and the migraine instantly was gone. And she kind of was stunned and couldn't quite believe it. About a week later, she came back in and, and she was angry. And I thought she was angry at me. And I thought, oh man, what, you know, what did, did I say something? What did I do? But she said, no, I'm not mad at you. She said, I'm angry because I've had these migraines with very few breaks for all of these years, the last two decades of my life. She said, I can't even tell you how many, how many countless hours I've spent in a dark room trying to deal with this. And she said, I, I've seen all these different doctors. I think, I think she said nine different doctors over all those years. They'd all told her, well, you know, all you can do is take these drugs and Sorry that your migraines are so bad. And she said, I'm angry because first of all, they should have known that there was some alternative that might help me. I'm mad because they didn't know that, but really I'm mad because I've lost two decades of my life that I, I can't really ever get back. And um, so, you know, if you think about that, I mean, doctors, I think by and large are doing the best that they can, you know, with their training and so on. I think the key word there is training, how you're trained, exactly. right? you know? Um, because it's funny, you came from the chiropractic space and, you know, if you think about circulation, balancing circulation, you know, that was a realization I had, you know, that what that balance could do for your body. When you activate circulation, there's certain, to me, there's major healing, you know, possibilities there. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, think about it. I mean, circulation really is so important. If, imagine if you had the circulation now that you had when you were 10 years old. Think about how fast you healed. Imagine if you could take somebody that's 80 and give them back the circulation that they had when they were 10. I mean, Wow. Uh, that's a big part of big part of the aging process and so on. Well, yeah. so what I found with these different, these six different categories is that um, sometimes it was really surprising what would happen uh, when, when the subconscious mind would help me to find what was going on with a person. Sometimes it was just really, really stunning. And for example, a patient came into me once who had been coughing for a year. She said that she coughed all day long. She coughed all night long. Of course, she'd been to the hospital. They'd done CAT scans and MRIs. They'd done everything. They couldn't find anything wrong with her at all. There was no sign of anything. Her lungs looked totally normal. So they didn't have any answers for her. And uh, she told me that her husband had moved into the other end of the house because she was coughing all night long. And she said he'd been living in the other side of the house um, for a quite a while. And she said their marriage was starting to fray because, because of this cough and it was driving her crazy. And, uh, she just had no idea why, but it had been going on for a year. So, uh, so I tested her and, uh, in the body code. So the way that, the way that this works is essentially you, uh, you ask questions and, and then you get answers. Now you can get those answers using muscle testing of various different kinds, which we teach, of course, in the book. Uh, you can also use a pendulum or some kind of dowsing device. Doesn't matter. But anyway, so, um, so I'm asking questions of her subconscious mind. I'm saying, okay, well, um, is there a reason for this cough? And I get a yes answer back from her subconscious strong muscle test. And I asked, okay, well, is it on, uh, the right side of the chart? No. Got a weak answer. It's on the left side of the chart. Okay. Is it? Is it energies? No. Circuits or systems? No. Toxins? Yes. It was a toxin. 
Mm-hmm. So I went to the toxin area and found out uh, it was some kind of a chemical. And so um, looking through a list of common chemicals and doing some more testing, uh, I came up with a strong answer from her subconscious mind on something called camphophenique. And I said, do you use camphophenique? And she said, camphophenique? And she turned white, basically turned totally pale. And I said, well, yeah, I think that's maybe a problem. And she said, well, yes. She said, she said every night that she would go over the last thing before she went to bed, she would, she would go and visit this elderly woman who was a friend of their family. And she loved to have her feet rubbed with camphophenique last thing before she went to bed at night. And she said, she'd been doing that for a long time. And I said, well, I, I, I don't think you should use camphophenique anymore. And so she stopped using it and uh, that was it. No more problem. But it was her subconscious mind. You see, it was able to guide us to that mm-hmm. and get that answer. And, you know, I mean, medically, she'd been going to medical doctors and hospitals and so on for a year. They couldn't figure out what it was. But see, the subconscious mind all along knew her subconscious knew perfectly well it was the camphophenique. Mm-hmm. Now, I think that, uh, you know, some people are really in tune with their subconscious and they would have figured that out. But um, most people aren't really that in tune with the subconscious. And so the body code gives us a way to just ask questions and very rapidly zero in. Every time you ask a question in the uh, in the body code, you're eliminating half of your choices. It's either this side or this side. It's either this or this. It's either yes or no. See, the subconscious mind is a binary computer, John, and you can ask any question that you want as long as the answer uh, can come back to you in the form of a yes or a no. And usually it's strength or weakness. Um, that's usually how we get the answers. Well, if you, if you think about that too, if you take emotions, right, and you isolate the emotions and people don't realize that emotions are the juggernaut of the universe, maybe there's a realization here of uh, a mathematical situation where if you look at unconscious, conscious, and subconscious. So if subconscious could be defined as your foundation, your unconscious bias is, is things you've experienced that are really not authentic and then becoming conscious. What What do you think if you could isolate those three things as a, a pattern or or a way to identify and a way to understand yourself? What do you What do you think about something like that? Well, you know, um, generally for the for the purposes of the of the book, I mean, it can, that could be a pretty deep well, mm-hmm. um, a, a long trail to go down. But for the purposes of the book and when I'm teaching, what I do is. I, I lump the, the subconscious and the unconscious together, and another name for them I use is the spirit, the spirit within us. And I believe that that spirit within us is, is really who we are. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we die, we go to the other side. We take that spirit intelligence with us. We might sometimes we come back because it's not our time yet, right? And those people talk about their experience. And, and if they have a life review, uh, they're never asked what kind of a car they drove or how much money they had in their bank account. Instead, it's always about how much love were you able to develop for your fellow beings in the world and how much knowledge were you able to gain, you know, things like that. But that subconscious or unconscious, the, that part of us that is, um, that is keeping us alive every moment, uh, that's creating millions of new cells every minute that really consists of pure energy. 
you know, some quantum physicists calculated recently that you could uh, you could take all the empty space. If you could take all the empty space out of everyone's bodies on Earth, you could fit everyone in the world into a little box the size of a sugar cube, right? Because really, these bodies of ours, even though they seem so solid and they have dimension and weight and so on, the true reality is that we are just made of energy. We're beings of pure energy. And I mean, if you could look at your hand with a big microscope and zoom in uh, at a greater and greater magnification uh, to the level of the cell and beyond that to the level of the organelles like the mitochondria that make up the cell and beyond that to the level of the molecule and beyond that to the atom, you'd notice the next atom is a long distance away and there's nothing in that atom. It's just empty space. And that's really what we are. And it's it's very difficult for us to wrap our minds around it because we're so entrenched in this 3D world. But but in some ways, life is almost like a simulation in a way, because these bodies of ours, even though they're solid, they're also very unsolid. And um, when you look in the mirror, you don't expect to see swirling patterns of energy. But but of course, actually, that's that's really what we are. So if you think about it, uh, these bodies of ours consist of an almost infinite number of subatomic energies, uh, subatomic particles that are all flying in formation, keeping our bodies from flying apart. And so really every moment of our lives is a an ongoing miracle from one moment to the next moment. It's really an incredible thing. And so, and it, there are divine, very sacred reasons why we're here living this experience. And it's like a perfect testing environment for us. We're born into this world. We don't remember anything from where we were before. And so this is a perfect test. Who are we going to become? What are we going to do? What are we going to choose? Light, dark, Good, evil, right, wrong. What are we going to do? And no matter what we do, we learn from our con from the consequences of our choices, right? And I believe that it's really all about our progression. This is a step in our progression into the eternities. And so, um, it's really, really interesting. And um, and the fact that now, you know, here we are in the world, it's 2023, and uh, you'd think that by now mankind would be beyond war, uh, but mm. war is still being used to settle differences between nations. And uh, it's really crazy. But the consciousness of the world is expanding at an accelerating rate. And mm -hmm. so what that means is that uh, every day the consciousness of the world is bigger than it was yesterday. And I think the cat's out of the bag. I don't think there's any stopping it. And so we, we see the world in all this crazy turmoil. But the way I look at it is that the world is just in labor. It's trying to give birth to this new world where we are going to have a much, much higher level of consciousness than what we've ever even imagined before in the world. That's where we're headed, I think. What do you think about when I think, you know, thinking about your centerpiece of balancing the system? What do you think about environment code? You know, and, you know, environment to me, I don't think is looked at in a way of understanding balance. Like my thought process is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or whatever, but we put on this earth and our bodies were set up for certain things. But say if you're in the region of the world where you're an Eskimo, bodies weren't really set up initially to eat meat. If you grew up as an Eskimo and you have fish in your culture and that's perpetuated over a thousand years, then that group of people or culture probably will still need fish in their diet to maintain their balance because that has been perpetuated over time. Right. What do you think about, what do you think about, maybe that's your third book. I don't know. What, what do you think about environment? <laughs> I don't think I'm going to write any more books. <laughs> I think I'm done. <laughs> 
But I think that uh, you bring up a really, really good point. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that I think that, um, or, or where, where it points to is this idea that we are really highly individual, that the, that we're all different. And I found that during the years I was in practice, I found that if the last person that I saw was suffering from neck pain, the next person that I saw might not have the same reasons. If the last person that I saw couldn't conceive a child, the next one might have totally different reasons. And so that's one of the really fascinating things about it is that there is no, there's really no cookie cutter approach in my opinion. And in my experience, I mean, every single person is different. Every single person is unique, but what is the same about every individual is that they have that subconscious mind, that computer within them that wants to give up its information. The thing is up until now, nobody's really been asking. It's been more like, uh, it's been more like the, you know, throwing the lambs. things at the wall to see what sticks. I think capitalism has created a culture of lambs from our education, you know, from our education system on, you know, cause you kids lose their imaginations if, you know, when they start school, right. And the power of a mind, I think is a very big, big thing, right. Instead of thinking, all right, A, A, B, C, this, let me, this is why I think we, we perpetuate negativity because when you're approached with fear, right, you, your question, can I do this? Will I be successful? Right. How do I do this? Right. Instead of saying I will be successful, I can do this. I know mm-hmm. how to do this. Right. I think if you can start the, start the human being from that point of positivity and create that pattern, I think you're going to see a big change in humanity overall. In my, in oh, my I, opinion. Yeah, I think so too. I absolutely. I mean, if you think about, oh gosh, you know, the, uh, the dismal state of education today, it's like a, it's a whole nother topic or a whole yeah. nother interview, but, but absolutely. I mean, we are designed to succeed. And I think that our ability to create is a big reason why I think why we're here. I think we're here partly to learn how to create. I think when we're born from the very beginning, I think most of us uh, by and large, the human experience is that we're, that we learn information that isn't necessarily true. Um, we start learning about, all the things we can't do and what we're not capable of. I think that, um, you know, for example, I, I had a dream once that I was walking on air and uh, it was an amazing dream. I was at this college or university and I'm walking down the hallway and I'm about an inch off the ground. And it was the most amazing feeling. It was so real. It was one of those dreams, you know, that was just, you'd swear it was real. And I thought to myself, well, if, if I'm an inch off the ground, I'll bet you I can get a foot off the ground. And so, boom, I'm a foot off the ground. And then I'm a couple feet off the ground. And then I look up at the ceiling and I think, I bet you I can get right up near the ceiling. And so, boom, I'm right up near the ceiling. And now at this point, everyone's noticing because it was very crowded. And all of a sudden, I'm stopped just standing there kind of, you know, in midair. And all these people are looking up at me and they're saying well, how are you doing that? They're saying, how in the world can you possibly be doing what you're doing? And I said to them, well, it, it's easy. I said, all you have to do is believe that you can do it and be grateful to God that you're doing it. At that point, I looked down the hallway. There were these glass doors at the end of this hallway. And on and on the other side of those glass doors were these beautiful green rolling hills of this campus. And I remember thinking, when I get beyond those doors, I'm going to be able to fly. And And then I woke up. And I swung my feet out of the out of the bed and clunk. My feet hit the floor. But I mean, imagine. Um, I think that that's a, it's a good illustration. I think of what we really are capable of. You know, you think about um, you think about Christ and all the things that He did, the miracles that He did. And I think about that story where His disciples are out in the boat at night and they see this ghost 
walking towards him and they're terrified, but it's him. And he calls out to him. He says, don't worry, it, don't be afraid. It's me. And they say, well, and he's walking on the water. And Peter says, well, if it's you, have me come out to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. He gets out of the boat. And I absolutely believe that this is true. My grandfather actually saw a man walk on water. I think it can be done. And um, so Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking on the water until he starts to realize that uh, it's very abnormal what he's doing. And he starts to have this emotion of fear. So what's fascinating is we know that subatomic particles will change their behavior depending on what the observer is expecting to see. And so I think that the future um, consists of unformed energy and we can change that future depending on what we believe and expect. So this is, this is another whole topic, but I think that um, when Peter got out of that boat, he believed he could do it and was so certain of it that the subatomic particles that were making up the water changed their normal state to support him in that belief until mm -hmm. he began to fear. And then all of a sudden they stopped supporting him and down he goes and he calls out and he says, Lord, save me. And Jesus grabs him and pulls him up and says, Oh, ye of little faith, wherefore did you doubt? You know, why'd you doubt? And it's interesting. I mean, I've had some wild experiences and like I said, we'll, we'll bring this, close this down here in a second. But if you think about energy, you know, the stronger your energy field around you and, and being able to control elements around you, then that makes mm -hmm. a lot of sense. You know, how do you maximize your energy? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, it's so interesting because, um, like I said, we're we're moving into this this phase of of existence now, where we're becoming aware of all kinds of things. Our consciousness is is rising, and we're waking up. It's almost like we've been asleep in a lot of ways, and we're we're waking up to the truth about our existence, who we are, what these bodies are, uh, how capable these bodies are. I mean, think about this. You know, we, for example, with the emotion code. We've certified, trained and certified over 10,000 practitioners now in 80 countries or more around the world. Most of them work with other people in other countries um, that they will probably never even meet and yet whose lives they very well may change as they're working with them at a distance, distance mm -hmm. healing. Well, Newtonian physics, uh, there's no place for that, see. In the old models, that doesn't fit anywhere. But in the new model, in, in quantum physics, that absolutely makes sense because we know in quantum physics, truly everything is interconnected and we can entangle with uh, someone else's energies at vast distances, at least as great as the diameter of the earth. And um, so um, so really what, what this work is, the body code, it's really, it's really healing for the next age of mankind, I think. It's healing for the new millennium because it's teaching us what our bodies really are, what they're capable of, and um, how we can tap in and get information out of them. And it's available now, of course, on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever books are sold, and Audible, uh, too. We have it on. People want to find anything, Dr. Bradley Nelson, where, where do we look for that? What's that URL? Yeah, they can go to uh, drbradleynelson.com. Our main website is uh, at discoverhealing.com. Yeah, discoverhealing.com is where we have all the information about um, certification and finding a practitioner that can work with you from somewhere around the world. Uh, we've got a Google map, practitioners everywhere. And also we do live events and online events and things like that. Nice. And I got the last question of the day. I had this experience. I just want to see what you think. I had a new experience the past couple of weeks. What do you think the symbolism of Robins are? Spring. Is that <laughs> what it is? Spring? 
<laughs> well, I think so. I mean, they've always you know they've always been considered a sign of spring when a robin shows up. Why did you have an interesting experience with a robin? Well, I, I had this medium and psychic read up get Giaganti on my podcast Sunday, and she was talking about because I'm always trying to help people myself, give them energy, mm -hmm. and she says you got to make sure you replenish. I live here in Charleston, South Carolina, mm -hmm. but I walk down to this area uh, where they put boats in the water or whatever. So I kind of do some meditation, and I'm I'm thinking about when she said I want to replenish she says think about light coming through crown chakra so I went out there and did that she says if you really want to maximize your abilities have, create your acceptance and, and replenish your energy so I went out there and did that and I'm walking back I'm walking up the hill and this road starts when you come up from the dock there's this road that starts and there's a bunch of there's a bunch of houses there's probably about seven or eight houses on this one strip before you get to a, a, a curve and there's trees all over that and I see about 500 robins whoa and I'm like in this house look very woody and then I start walking and I look to the side of me and there's these robins beside of me like hopping hmm. in front of me following me really? right and I look back I look back and I don't see, and they're not there. They're not there. They're in front of me. And they keep going and keep going. And then when I get mm. to the edge of the tree line, they stop. Mm. But this went on for like seven, eight houses. How many houses are on this stretch? Wow. Right? I didn't think anything about it. My wife said, Google it. I Googled it and found out what it was. But then I went back the next day. There's no robins in sight. Mm -hmm. So when you talk about the power of the mind, I was just like, I, you know, when I found yeah. out what the symbolism was, it's a very, very interesting time, I think, for humanity is kind of the yeah. overall arching theme. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the animal world is is so much more tuned in than we are. They're very aware. They're aware of our thoughts. I mean, you know, uh, one of the things that we teach is that um, you, you can't lie to the subconscious mind of another person. Um, the subconscious mind of the person that you're working with, uh, that subconscious mind of theirs knows exactly what your subconscious mind is thinking. I mean, if you're if you're trying to help somebody as a healer, but really all you're interested in is their money, they're aware of that on a subconscious level. Um, if you're really approaching them with unconditional love and acceptance, and you really just truly want to help them, they understand that as well. Um, and it, it's all about the subconscious mind. And so uh, I think that our our thoughts are transparent, really, to animals and to other people. And so I th I would say that where you were in that place where you were, where you were um, probably being so, you were, I think, in probably such a different state than most people that they're used to, you know, interacting with or being around or sensing um, that um, that's probably why you had that experience. They were right there willing to help and, you know, or, or just kind of being drawn to your energy, probably. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife and I were in the hot tub a couple months ago, I remember. And this, uh, this hummingbird came down, hovered right here. And you hardly ever get to see him that close, right? And it just hung there for a minute and it went away and it came back. And so I just asked it, is, you know, is there something that you need? And uh, got the answer that it, it had a trapped emotion. And so I went ahead and released it. And we teach you how to do all of this in the books. And I released uh -huh. it and then went away, came back and kind of just looked at us and then was gone. Um, 
you know, the uh, animals are incredible and they're incredibly intelligent. They're very tuned into energies and they're very tuned into us. They they know what we're thinking, I think. And, and uh, it's really fun to work on them, actually. In fact, our practitioners um, have to work with animals. They have to have that experience. So um, when you become an emotion code practitioner, you, you have to work with five different animals because we figure, you know, two or three of them are probably going to have some kind of an issue and you're probably going to knock it right out of the park. We want you to have that experience. Awesome. Well, I'll let you go. We, I think we've had a great conversation. Hopefully we can educate some people by listening. And I think you're probably 30 years ahead of the curve for a revolutionary type of healing. I mean, I think you're, you're planting a seed that I don't, I don't know t- too many people out there that have planted this type of seed. So I think uh, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy. You have that clear thought process and, you know, things do get simpler. I think, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. As long as the ego doesn't get involved, if the ego gets involved, then it becomes more complex. Um, That's, you know, that's what my experience has been in my lifetime. So I try to keep my ego totally out of this. I just tell people, "Ah, I just work here. Really? This is, this is a God thing. This is the higher power. Our father uh, wants to bring a different kind of healing into the world um, that, uh, that anyone can do. And that's a beautiful thing about the body because anybody can do it. I mean, and you don't have to become certified unless you want to. Um, You can use it on your friends, family members, everybody that you want. And it's, uh, you, you can have all kinds of success just from the book alone. So yeah, my, my advice is just, you know, pick it up, check it out, try it. Great advice from Dr. Bradley Nelson. If you haven't checked out the emotion code, the body code books, check those out. I think it's a revolutionary thought process and thanks for coming on the show. And my name is uh, John Edmonds Cosma. I'm the CEO of Bang Productions. Thank you. 